This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hello, welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Now, last week we met Lydia Junge, the CEO of Eversave Briquettes Limited. Now, she's been producing charcoal briquettes made using agricultural waste materials. So in that spirit, I thought probably it's best for us to look a little bit further into how we can produce charcoal sustainably. Now, did you know that a third of Africa's forests have already been lost, mainly to charcoal production? Yes, that is according to the World Forest Organization. And in Kenya, the Center for International Forestry Research, CIFO, notes that more than 70% of domestic energy demands for cooking and heating has been met by charcoal over the decades. But can charcoal be produced sustainably? I posed this question to Mary Jenga, a bioenergy research scientist at the World Agroforestry Center, ICRAF, and this is what she had to say. When we are working towards sustainable charcoal, we need to look at it from a system perspective. What I mean is we have to make the biomass that is used for charcoal to be produced sustainably. Secondly, the biomass that we get produced sustainably, it needs to be processed into charcoal in very efficient ways. And thirdly, charcoal needs to be used in efficient stops. That means we are addressing the inefficiencies and optimizing its benefits at every stage. The communities who are producing charcoal, they need to look at biomass production as a source of livelihood, and there are different options that they can apply. One, they can manage the trees that are naturally growing on their land and manage it through farmer-managed, natural, or assisted regeneration. What I mean is, We have trees that when you harvest, they sprout back. And therefore, the farmer should be able to manage those sprouts, protect them, for example, from livestock, so that they regrow. And if we are having this biomass regrowing, then we will be able to ensure that there is standing biomass all the time. And the other thing is that uh, the trees that are being harvested for charcoal they really do not need to be cut down. Farmers can be able to just get the prunings, the branches, and make charcoal and leave the trees growing. And the third way is that the same farmers now can be able to grow trees. They can be able to set aside, you know, like a small portion of their rod where they have wood rots of short rotation trees that grows very fast, like even two years, and then they are able to harvest for charcoal. If you look at these different systems, we will be able to have sustainable biomass actually. And then that will contribute to charcoal contributing to management of biomass, which help in capturing, you know, carbon dioxide and mitigating against climate change. Charcoal is produced by burning wood under a limited supply of oxygen in a process called carbonization. The carbon-rich product is produced in kilns. Research by CIFO shows that most kilns used in Africa are very inefficient. For a ton of charcoal produced, about 10 tons of wood is used. 
Can improving traditional kilns help create efficiency in charcoal production and reduce emissions associated with earth kiln charcoal production? Here is Jenga again. There are a lot of technologies on uh, efficient kilns. Some of them are very expensive. Farmers may not be able to afford individually and maybe they can put their resources and they have these systems moving from one person to the other. And the other thing is that uh, what I've found is that, you know, the simple technology that people used to make charcoal, the earth kiln, where they just arrange wood and cover it with soil, you still can improve on that at very low cost. Because we have been working with farmers and what we find is that uh, if the wood that is being used for charcoal is dried to less than 20% moisture content and then it's arranged in ways that there is uh, efficient flow of air and they are stacked well and then they are covered with soil. That alone, simple tweaks are able to improve the charcoal yield by almost 50%. And the farmers can fix the breathers, you know, like when you have the, the tune, then you can fix some pipes so that there is some breathers to allow air circulation. All these simple tweaks, actually we are finding a farmer to carbonize about 750 kilograms of wood. You need an investment of about 55 US dollars or 5,500 Kenya shillings. Mm -hmm. And that is the first investment. You can keep using it. So there are, there are, there are technologies that farmers can be able to use. Mm -hmm. And these technologies have to be portable because, you know, that's why farmers keep going back to the earth queue because they are able to set it where the biomass is. We did a study in the informal settlement in Kibera. And what we found is that uh, if charcoal users shifted to using the modern industrial branded tops, they will be able to reduce the charcoal consumption by a huge margin. But they also can be able to do something simple and that is affordable. Because the, the branded stoves, they are good, but they are also expensive. And what we found is that uh, the Kenya ceramic jiko, the volume or the amount of charcoal that it contains really matters. If you use a big Kenya ceramic jiko and somebody else uses a smaller Kenya ceramic jiko, KCJ, the one using a smaller one uses much less charcoal. There is a reduction in carbon dioxide equivalent of about 60% from just improving the traditional processes. Transporting sustainable charcoal in Kenya requires one to acquire a transport permit, among others. The permit demands one to indicate where the wood is sourced and the replanting system that has been put in place. Despite the cost of production being very low at the point of production, charcoal retails at double price or even triple in urban areas, mainly due to the high cost of transportation and permits often paid as one enters every county. Now, Kenya is among countries with um, a bioenergy strategy, charcoal regulations and charcoal and briquettes standards. But Jenga says cohesion among government offices and national and county government 
is essential if these charcoal policies are to be implemented efficiently to reduce illegal logging of trees and ensure those producing sustainable charcoal are not excessively taxed. For charcoal to be labeled sustainable, then it requires standards. Kenya, we have been able to develop the standards for charcoal and charcoal briquettes in terms of what amount of heat should good charcoal have, what amount of ash content, all these parameters have been uh, put together in a standard. And this is being carried out by uh, Kenya Bureau of Standards. And therefore, whether it's charcoal or charcoal briquettes, for your charcoal to be labeled, it needs to be assessed by the Kenya Bureau of Standards. And having those standards, that's very good because then we can be able to do some regulations. But once we have these standards, once we have we have the regulations, like the charcoal regulations that we have, they need to be reinforced. They need to be put into use. They need to be domesticated at every county level. And the reinforcement will only be able to work if we have different departments, different governments working together. For instance, when we talk about tree growing on the farms, is that agriculture. When we talk about forest management, is that the Ministry of Forest and Environment. When we talk about transportation, for example, is that a different ministry. When we talk about energy, is that the Ministry of Energy? So we need all these different ministries coming together and having, for example, a management team or something that is comprising all these representatives from the different ministries. Then we can have a clearly well-coordinated system that coordinates the policies and the regulations to make charcoal sustainable. When all that is done, the charcoal is produced, transported efficiently, like any other product, it would be one of the cheapest fuels. But now it's very expensive in the urban area. Global deforestation accounts for 15% of all greenhouse gas emissions. Ines Angulo, the Forest Investment Project Manager, coordinator at the Climate Investment Funds, says that Africa has the highest annual rate of net forest loss at 3.9 million hectares in the last decade. The forest loss has been increasing steadily since 1990s. But charcoal is still the most preferred form of energy in urban areas. A 2020 World Agroforestry paper on charcoal value chain in Kenya states that more than 82% of urban households and 34% in rural areas still use charcoal. What's Mary's advice on the way forward on producing sustainable charcoal? If you look at the issues of charcoal, if you look at the issues of firewood, these can be made truly sustainable. There are many innovations that are science-based that we need to apply to put into use and be able to produce biomass sustainably and by so doing we will be able to see for example charcoal contributing to conserving the trees that it currently represents and then we need to do a lot of capacity building and we need a lot of um, supporting to do to the charcoal producers 
so that they can be able to shift from the systems they are using now to more efficient production technologies. We also need to work a lot with the people who are using biomass energy so that they can be able to shift into cleaner biomass cooking systems. And when we have improvements at every stage, then we will be able to enhance tree cover, mitigate climate change, improve livelihoods of the producers, and also reduce indoor air pollution, hence reducing the health impacts associated with smoke in the kitchen. And this progression to sustainable biomass energy in Africa, we need an integrated approach that we have a diverse stakeholders playing a role in it. And that is all we had for you today. Join me again next week where we will talk about the importance of our children, the future generation, taking up environmental protection. In the meantime, please email us your questions and thoughts on the upcoming series, Building Momentum on the COP26. Our email address is info at africaclimateconversations.com or you can leave us a comment on our social media platforms. We are on Twitter instagram and on facebook as well remember africa climate conversations podcast is also available on apple spotify google and every other podcast channel you access your podcast from and also on our website www.africaclimateconversations.com thank you so much for listening until next week on tuesday kwaheri my name is sophie Mbuku. Inaendeshwa na Afriboards.